Hello and welcome back to the Thumpkin Philosophers Podcast. My name is Brandon. I'm joined here by Blake and Isaac. Today we're going to be talking about the Electoral College. So what is it? Why does it exist? Is, it, is abolishing the Electoral College just a quote-unquote lefty idea? Uh, who are the Electoral members? How does it work? What are the pros and cons? We're going to try to answer those questions and more. Hopefully it's an interesting episode. Uh, Blake's going to start us off by just giving us a basic definition. So, Blake, you want to get us rolling? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's the process by which we elect our president and proxy vice president. It should be known that it started as technically a political compromise because it's kind of important to know where it came from, uh, kind of to know what it was. And it started initially really as a compromise between political parties to choose do we elect our president by means of popular qualified vote, or do we use Congress to essentially elect our leaders? Uh, so I always like to kind of... Or the states. Or the states. Yeah, because yeah, uh-huh. it, it was it was a big push. It, you know, it was kind of that federalist, anti-federalist idea between, like, state rights and the idea of a, of a popular vote. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that I think we need to keep in mind is the guys who were coming up with this process... Most of these guys weren't really, they weren't really fully supportive of a democracy per se, uh, which is why we ended up with the kind of weird Republican system that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of those guys wanted to just make George Washington king, uh, you know, and go just have another monarchy. So it was a little bit of that, that push and pull between, between those different forces, which is why, you know, one of the big reasons why we didn't end up with the, uh, with the uh, you know national popular vote, mm-hmm. but uh, you want to go go on? Sorry, since I yeah no, it was uh, I kind of <laughs> like to just bring that up in general because it's important to just remember that this system that we have in place, our government itself, it was made as a compromise, as a, <clears throat> a thing that had to change. So it's it's kind of nice to know that today this isn't necessarily how it's supposed to be because if we were to make a new government today, that compromise might be different. It's uh, oh, it would definitely mm-hmm. be different. It would be entirely <laughs> different. Yeah, you would hope. Yeah, but you know that's that's a fun thought in itself. Like, what the would the Constitution look like if we made America tomorrow? Like, instead yeah. of making it in seventeen something something. Right, and and you have to keep in mind, like the you know the system that we ended up with, at the at the onset was was very different than the electoral system that we have that we have today, mm-hmm. you know, even just down to, you know, who was qualified to vote. Um, yeah. yeah, or even know. who got elected from the Electoral College. Right. It was the vice president used to just be the runner-up, which in itself was a problem, because you'd have <laughs> your Republican win, and then the Democratic guy who lost to him was now his vice president, which happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet that really made for some, like, awkward meetings. Like, they're just sitting in a room across from each other, like, so, uh, what do you think about this? No. It's like, just no? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else? No. no. I, uh, I, can't, I can't do that. I, I like to think that they got as petty as, like, well, what do you think about this? Well, what do you think about this? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, come on, we, we got to make this thing work. We're gonna make this thing work. <laughs> you know, it's probably not all that off from what it might have actually really been like. Right. Got it. So, so. so we touched on, you know, a little bit of where it came from. The the fact that it was a compromise, 
but uh, why did the Electoral College win in that compromise as opposed to the national vote? Anybody got a good answer? Honestly, it's it would always look just like political compromise to me. I mean... Right. So, the main reasons laid out by uh, Alexander Hamilton in the Federalist Papers. So, if you're not familiar, the Federalist Papers were... So, initially, we, we had the Articles of Confederation yes. um, <clears throat> before we had the Constitution. Uh, I don't know that they were ever... Actually, I'd have to check. I don't know that they were ever fully ratified. But basically, people, they, they all decided that the Articles of Confederation, they didn't give the central government, the national federal government, quite enough power. It basically set up every state as almost its own sovereign government. So Alexander Hamilton and uh, John Adams and uh, I forget who else, but it was primarily Alexander Hamilton who wrote most of the Federalist Papers. Uh, he laid out in the Federalist number 68, which was specifically about the mode of electing the president. Um, that was actually the title. These were papers that were published in pamphlets to promote the idea of this new constitution and, and, and what should be in the new constitution to kind of unite the whole, the, the 13 colonies all together. And uh, he wrote in this basically that he didn't trust the common man you could say, to know enough about governing to make, like an to, to make a fully informed decision. Mm -hmm. yeah. But we did, but we did want to have, he did want to give the people a voice. He just didn't necessarily want them to have the final voice, which is where the Electoral College comes in. The, electo <laughs> the way that the Electoral College works is that there's actually a, there are, what is it, 538 electors. Yeah. Okay? Uh, it, it, that's basically one for every single uh, congressman that we have for the states, and they're spread out as such. Uh, and uh, three more, was, so that's 535, and then there's three more for Washington, D.C., because it's not, a, it's not a state, but they need the ability to vote for the president, basically. In order to win the, the the election for the president, you have to have a, get a majority of those 538 electors to vote your way for for your candidate. So that that majority ends up being 270 electoral votes. And uh, if you don't reach that threshold, 270, then the the vote gets put up to the House of Representatives, and then the House of Representatives all vote and it's based uh everybody actually every state actually gets the same number of votes that way rather than the way that congress is actually broken up and then they vote they vote for the president so in no circumstance are you the, uh, an actual you know u.s citizen voter actually yourself voting for the president you are voting for an elector who will then cast his vote for the president his now, or her vote now does that does that elector have to just pit, be like, oh, okay, well, everybody wants this guy, so, all right, guys, I hear you. I'm going to put my vote for this guy. Like, does he have to listen to the popular? Absolutely not. The electors are not required um, whatsoever to, to cast their vote in any particular way federally. Yeah. Now, a, a lot of the states, most of the states, actually, I think all, all but two have passed laws 
that basically give whoever wins the popular vote in that state gets all of that state's elect electoral votes. Mm, okay. Um, so, yep. th- so they're required to vote that way by s- several of the states, but not all. But cor- correct me if I'm wrong, as I I believe that I'd read and heard in several different places that even then it's like a a fine or something on that person it's like not even really a big deal if they do it anyways yeah it can be and it varies by state and so that that you know that's one of the biggest issues with it in my view is that it's not standardized at all so depending on what state you go to you know the way that your electors are chosen um you know, is, is going to vary, and in ways that you might not fully understand. In fact, most people aren't going to fully understand. And and so, like, the reason that I say, too, that you vote, the, you're not voting for uh, the president, you're actually voting for an elector, there are, every every party that's involved in the election will put up their own electors, a slate of electors that you will then vote for. So whoever gets the popular vote in your voting district will will get that slate of electors and unless you're involved in that party you don't have any say in who those who those electors end up being <laughs> so it's that's that's crazy yeah the party will decide and it and the party you know and, and it depends on the state party or in some cases the national party and yeah. their specific rules uh and that varies again can vary by state so uh so that'll vary by state and party the way that you end up with your electors. So, fun fact, in our last election in 2016, uh, when Hillary Clinton was running against Donald Trump, Bill Clinton was an elector in New York uh, <laughs> for the Democratic Party. So I <laughs> he voted for. Right. <laughs> right. Damn it, Bill, you're sleeping on the couch. Um, so... You know, like I said, you know, Alexander Hamilton wanted to leave that final say up to up to these electors who would be, you know, decided upon generally they're guys who they're they're people who are, you know, very involved in politics in the party specifically, very lo- loyal to the party, major donors, people like that. The only stipulations that are placed on who can be an elector are uh you know, rather than saying who it can be, they say who the, it can't, can't be, be. Okay. and they can't be basically a U.S. senator or anybody who's who's like profiting off of, uh, you know, a, profiting from the government in some yeah. way. I forget exactly what the exact stipulations are. It's not really that important. If I remember correctly, it's like also if you're a terrorist, essentially, like that's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> if, if you have uh, if if you have. Um, basically gone against the U.S. in any, in any way. And that, that, that was a stipulation that was put in after the Civil War. Oh. Oh. Just basically, if you've... are trying yeah, to so prevent that again. Uh, the, yeah, interesting. If, if, you were, if you were in the Confederacy, then we, don't, that we don't want you as an elector. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, now I've, you know, just <laughs> in, in case nobody knew, I mean, Brandon it, it generally stays up very high with uh, a lot of political going on, I guess, and, you know, I, I try to, I generally get my information from him, or, um, John Oliver, <laughs> love that guy, shout out, fund right. us, <laughs> so I've, the past couple weeks since we decided on this topic, I've been, as much as I can, flooding my brain with all of this, and a lot that I get from it still is that even the people that are telling me about the Electoral College are, like, still kind of, like, 
iffy about everything, which, and even they say it's like, it shouldn't be like that. But a, a common denominator in all of it, like you said in the beginning, was whenever this first went down, it almost seems, and, and like I said, normal guy talking about a subject I'm just learned about and still learning about, is put together for a whole bunch of rich, wealthier political people to decide the fate of the country regardless of what we think. I mean, it's like, they, they don't think that we as a population are smart enough, or at least back then, were smart enough to make a good, just like, all right, well, we're just doing it for the good of you, so we're going to pick this guy anyways. You don't know him, you don't know a lot about him, but trust us, he's a good guy. I mean, is, is that too far off? No. No, that's pretty, that's pretty dead on, actually. Um, and, you know, there was some reason back then, you know, so much of the populace was, uh, you know, they were... Um, you know, immigrants who just got here ne- didn't necessarily speak the language. Um, yeah. You know, so poor, it wasn't, uned- uh, poor, uneducated. You know, working in rural areas yeah. and stuff, and just didn't have a way to really have that that political consciousness. Okay. You know, so so that you know that was there. There, it's it not that there wasn't that. Yeah. some you know some reason behind it. Well, so so uh, there was no full like evil. Uh, intent behind and i get it back then that makes I mean, sense i mean i mean these are guys who weren't yeah. allowing women to vote and and men Still who didn't men yeah. who didn't own yeah. property and they counted uh you know slaves as three-fifths of a person for electoral purposes um you know so so, so it's it's the, hit or miss. they're not I mean, they're not it's <laughs> completely it's, it's, it's gray area you can make those, those arguments um but you know people would argue today people do argue today that um you know the argument that it's impossible, uh, you know, for you know a lot of especially rural people to to have the ability to to fully understand government enough yeah. to you know make that decision for themselves. We have the internet now. Yeah. Um, you know, people Damn say it. just, it's just it's just antiquated because yeah. because the the general populace of the United States is way more way more just across the board uh, educated than they ever were. Yeah. So uh, and it, it may know, be jumping the gun here a little bit, but it almost seemed like with everything else in our country that's evolved and changed with times, this should be one of them. And I mean, like you said, we've got Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, our president constantly tweets, whether you agree with it or not, it's constantly there. I mean, other there's news coverage 24 seven. You turn on the TV and there's always something going on. There's always news coverage of everything. It's almost like there's not an excuse to be at least a little bit educated on the people that you want or want, not want to be running our country. So yeah, it's, certainly. I mean, if you don't know anything about about politics, like then it's because you don't want to. Yeah. At this point, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you did touch on a lot of stuff there that we're going to dive into a little more. Uh, I do want to. I'll just bring up now that. You know, this isn't a, overturning the electoral college today. Uh, is not a new idea. Yeah. Uh, it has come into it is you know it's come back up in, into the zeitgeist so to speak lately because the last presidential election for the the fifth time only like the only the fifth time in our nation's history the candidate who won the election with the most electoral votes actually did not win the popular vote. <laughs> That's only happened five five times in our history, mm-hmm. but over the past two hundred years. Over 700 proposals have been introduced in Congress to reform or eliminate the Electoral College. So this is not a new idea at all. In fact, the Electoral College was changed basically day one. 
um, the, the, the Constitution took effect in March of 1789, okay? Like, it was, it was written in, like, I forget, 84 or something like that, started being ratified in 87, didn't get fully, rat it didn't fully kick in until March of 1789. Guess when the first change to the Electoral College happened? Uh, September... 1789. <laughs> the, same, the same year that the Constitution kicked into effect, we adopted our first 12 amendments, you know, the first 10 being the Bill of Rights, um, and the 12th one being a change to the uh, Electoral College process. Yeah, the, the 12th Amendment uh, expanded, was an expansion of voting rights and the use of popular vote in the states as a vehicle for selecting electors so the 12th Amendment reads, uh, the electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president, one of whom, at least, shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves, uh, blah, blah, blah. It basically, we, we started laying out changes to fundamentally change how, how that process happened, and we changed how the election of the president and the vice president actually happened, because originally, when we elected the vice president, the president and the vice president, the forefathers' initial idea was that whoever lost the presidency, the second, second place went to vice president, <laughs> um, which they found out pretty quick made no sense. You can't uh, campaign against each other and have very different ideas and then be expected to work, to you know, yeah. to work, to work closely together. It just, it just yeah. didn't work out. I, it'd uh, be nice. You're like, hey, <laughs> so, we have to work together. World. We may as well come to some yeah. common ground, but at the end of the day, we're all men. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, you know, a lot of people will kind of tout the idea that this was settled way back, you know, uh, when we first formed the government and the forefathers put a lot of work and deliberation into this and they came out with the best system available. They, even they didn't think that the system that they created was the best system available. That's why mm -hmm. they immediately started changing it, and it's been changed lots of times. Lots of times. Lots and lots and lots of times. Um, so, you know, we can kind of just throw that idea out the window. I think that, you know, we've more or less, you know, made it clear that, no, abolishing the Electoral College is not just a quote-unquote lefty idea. In, in, at least in that sense, there's been... Uh, a huge amount of bipartisan support across the spectrum polling has shown throughout our nation's history that uh, that people that there there has been a, a massive popular mandate for changing uh, the electoral college or getting rid of it altogether. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anybody else want to do some talking? <laughs> Blake, let's hear from Blake. I got like I said, I got excited and we're flowing really well, so. I, I like what we're doing right now. I think we're it's a little bit changed from our original idea, but that's the whole point of the podcast. Yeah. Just keep right. talking and, and bouncing ideas <laughs> off each other, but mm -hmm. I will say that I like to hear from Blake's sultry, unbearded voice. <laughs> for, for those of ladies and gentlemen that don't realize, me and Brandon both have glorious beards. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure... I do I mean, not, apparently. Well, I, I, you know, to be honest, is... Blake looks very handsome without the beard, but... <laughs> ah, you're going to make blush, come on. <laughs> it, you, you already are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> come on, Blake, at, at least a cool mustache. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking of growing out just at least a good caterpillar right here, yeah. If, if, you're, right. if you're going to rock Justice Dash, recommended a Fu Manchu. <laughs> you got to stick out, bud. 
<laughs> you can rock it. You got that strong jawline. You got a very dominant jawline, so. This is America. I have to, if I don't have something to make me unique, I don't think I'll be able to stand out. Man, man, you know, you guys hit, or I mean, you hit so much already. It's it's hard, but like if we were to kind of go into the next thing about who the electoral college is, that's that's just a funny thing to talk about because it's almost like you could never. It's like that (laughs) mystery question. Yeah, nobody ever knows who is the boogeyman. Like, yeah. So yeah. so yeah. Like we like we said, you know, um, you know it's the, the the slate of electors is chosen by the parties. Mm-hmm. You vote, the popular vote in your district goes to that that slate of electors. Every state's a little different. Every every party is a little different. Uh, there is this does make things uh, incredibly difficult for third parties and independents. Yeah. Oh, incredibly. Um, I can only imagine, yeah. So maybe to dive into why a little bit. So the last third party or splinter party candidate to make a strong showing was Teddy Roosevelt in 1912. What? He ran as a progressive, also known as the Bull Moose Party. <laughs> he finished a distant second in electoral and popular votes, taking 88 of 266 electoral votes uh, needed to win at the time. Um... Yeah, and so it's 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 been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he does have one of my favorite quotes. Um, I believe it goes, "I'm made of wax, Larry. What are you made of?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so like one of the one of the main reasons that this makes this so difficult for third parties is that when you have a two party system the way that we do, which which the founding fathers never didn't think far enough ahead to consider whether or not we would even have fully national parties they did, they did, hadn't really considered that parties didn't exist initially when they wrote the when they wrote the constitution in the United States parties didn't exist um, they started popping up pretty quickly but they were pretty amorphous and 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 it took it took a while it took like well well into a century before the party system that we have today started really fully developing basically the um, two party system right so mm-hmm. An interesting scenario was the John Quincy Adams scenario. In the election of 1824, Andrew Jackson ran as a third party, or independent, I can't remember. Uh, he, he won the popular vote. Andrew Jackson won the popular vote. Uh, you know, there were already two, two parties who were well-established and had you know, control of Congress, you know, split pretty close to down the middle in Congress. Uh, he won the popular vote and 99 electoral votes, okay, which was more than any other candidate. So he had the popular vote and the most electoral votes, but he didn't go over the threshold that he needed um, in order to have the majority of the electoral votes. Uh, John Quincy Adams came in second place with 84, and two other candidates earned 41 and 37 votes, respectively. Wait, so what happened in that situation then? So in this situation, when, when e- in either a tie or when somebody is unable to get the, the majority of the mm-hmm. electoral votes, it goes to the House of Representatives. Oh. And the House of Representatives gets split where every state gets, gets the same amount of, of, of votes, and, and they all vote, and, and they, end up, voting, they end up voting party lines. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's, like so who, who owns the house at that point? 
No, it wouldn't matter. Like, you would only have two votes. There wouldn't, like, I couldn't imagine Arizona voting for independent or, like, uh, Washington voting any other thing other than, like, blue. But, yeah. like, like, in that situation, if something like this happened, like, if we were able to somehow get third parties to the point where they had such national uh, notoriety and we are able to get electoral votes for them, even then, if they didn't get over that majority of the electoral, it would just go to House, and House probably wouldn't, I can't imagine situations where they're going to vote for any third party. No. Like, unless it was just, like, I don't know, it, it's, massive public outcry. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, with anyone anymore, a third party, everybody, well, I, at least I've been told it's a waste of vote. Mm-hmm. Which, and, and, and the Electoral College is, is the primary reason why. Why, yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, you know, in this scenario, Andrew Jackson won the popular vote and the most electoral votes, but he didn't have enough because it was split pretty evenly. 99, John Quincy Adams had second place with 84 electoral votes, two other candidates, 41 and 37, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, ultimately, the House, with each state casting one vote, chose Adams to be president, even though he had earned fewer popular votes and fewer electoral votes, college votes, than, than Jackson. Huh. Okay? This hurts my brain. Now, a second scenario that makes, that makes uh, this difficult for third parties is the Ralph Nader scenario. Uh, so this is the scenario in which, you know, a, you know, so with Ralph Nader specifically, he's a left-of-center candidate, doesn't actually win any electoral votes, but he's able to siphon off votes from the Democratic Party, uh, which, you know, which is, which is the idea, which I just, by the way, I'll just say I hate... I hate this idea. I actually, so so me personally, you know, uh, I'm sure that it'll, you know, become apparent throughout the the course of this podcast that I I don't uh, like to consider myself in the uh, like these binary terms of left or right or you know Republican Democrat. Certainly, I don't consider myself either of those parties. In fact, in every presidential election I've voted in, I've never voted for uh, Republican or Democrat. The first time I voted, I did vote for Nader. And people will have told me and continue to tell me that I wasted my vote and I, I, gave, I basically gave that vote to a Republican. But I fundamentally disagree because yeah. you do not own my vote by proxy. There was absolutely zero way that I was voting for the, for the Democratic Party in that election. It just was not happening. I would not have voted otherwise. Uh, so I voted for the thir- for for. Uh, actually, he was an independent at the time. Um, but in this scenario uh, that you know people will lay out is that Ralph Nader siphoned off votes from the Democratic Party. Those are votes because he's a left-leaning candidate. Somebody who votes for him would naturally go to the Democratic Party, and because they didn't, they effectively just took votes away from the Democratic Party and and didn't allow the Democratic Party in specific places like Florida to gain enough of the popular vote in that state in order to give those electoral votes to the Democratic Party. Because, in, like in Florida specifically, if you win the popular vote there, you get all of Florida's electoral votes, which is a lot, which is why you know states like that that are in high contention, they're considered to be swing states. Mm. Um, and and uh, you know those states end up being where candidates end up spending about 90% of their time. Yeah. Visit, yeah. About 90% of their visits 
are spent going to what they consider, you know, contentious uh, swing states where, uh, you know, a few votes here, a few votes there in specific districts and everything can give them enough to give them a shit ton of electoral votes. And then yeah. they don't have to pay attention to all the, uh, to, to all of the other states. Uh, so, and I believe you know, Ohio is another constantly here around this, this time and in the next year, Florida, Ohio, um, I, I want to say Illinois, I believe yeah, Illinois, yeah. um, I mean, and I, I want to say in the past several elections, uh, New Mexico, no, we haven't got, we haven't gotten a visit in an election year. Now, President Trump has been to New Mexico and, right. you know, but it's never been at the election time. I mean, why else would he? I mean, you know, yeah. it's, you know, not dogging on him for that, but <laughs> it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, you know, why, why does Florida matter more than me? I mean, right. it, it shouldn't. And Florida's weird anyways. Yeah, everything bad happens in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Sorry, yep. Florida. <laughs> if, if, if by some chance we have listeners in Florida, I'd like to think you'd agree with us. We're not hating. <laughs> Anybody want to kind of run through, you know, what are some of the pros and cons of this system from what you can tell? Or that you, or that you hear often, you know, well, pitched up as the, the pros and cons of the Electoral College versus a national popular vote? I mean, I could tell you right off the bat, this pro that most people might be fairly familiar with is we don't want to have to worry about, like, ruling by the masses, you know, I don't, you, you probably wouldn't have to worry or want to worry about, you know, X amount of group that's so much larger than you making the decisions for the country. Like I wouldn't, you know, obviously isn't the case because of population, but a good example would be like California making decisions for the rest of the country because of how populous the one state is. So, right. Isn't, like, isn't that kind of leaning into the idea that, you know, like California is like a monolithic thing where they all just like that's a good point. Californians are the same. Yeah, that they'll all vote California. Because it's not like, you know, as, as it stands right now, um, you know, like California is considered, it's a blue state. It's one of, it's possibly the bluest the state blues. in the in the country. Yeah. There are lots of Republicans in California. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a Republican in a deep blue state where all of your electoral go- votes are going to the Democratic Party no matter what, your vote really doesn't matter. Yeah. But if, you know, every vote against every vote, there are a ton of, like, even if it's not as many Republicans in California as, you know, as another state, there's still plenty of reason for you to fight hard for that state, Mm -hmm. you know, and try to pick those up. But, uh, you know, so, like, one of the other reasons, you know, that's kind of tied to that, why uh, people think that it would negate, that it would end up negating um, you know, all the flyover states, the less populated states. Mm-hmm. But if that's not where your voters are, if your voters aren't primarily, you know, just because they're spread out doesn't mean that you don't want them. Mm-hmm. That would just, if anything, if, if most of your, your potential voters are spread out in, in all of those less populated states, then you'll just visit all those less populated states and pick up all those votes. Mm-hmm. There's no reason, you know, that you can't campaign in all of those places. And as I mentioned before, as it stands right now, 
candidates are not hitting all 50 states. With the Electoral College right now, they're focusing on swing states. They're mm -hmm. focusing 90% of their efforts on these swing states and barely touching the rest of the country at all. People argue that going to a popular vote would force people to focus on metropolitan areas mm -hmm. and they wouldn't go to rural areas. Candidates right now don't go to the rural areas. Yeah. When they go to states like Ohio or less populated states, you know, just in general, if they go to Nebraska, they're, go they're going to the big cities in those states. Mm -hmm. They're going to the metropolitan areas in those states um, because that's where all the people are. And they understand that, you know, if the president's there and people want to see him, they'll go there. You don't have to actually physically meet the president and shake his hand in order to get involved in the politics and in order to be, you know, a part of his audience and all of those things. Uh, you know, you can go knock on doors and, 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 you know, get like with the Internet, you can get involved in a million different ways. You know, we've kind of hit on that. What else do we have as far as uh, pros and cons? You know, some people would argue, you know, the Electoral College it guarantees an amount of certainty to the outcome of the, of the presidential election. Yeah, I can see that. But does it? I mean, we just talked about a couple cases, you know, granted it's only happened a couple times, but like John Quincy Adams, you know, uh, winning, the, winning the presidency despite the fact that he lost both the Electoral College votes and the popular vote. That's a good so point. That just yeah. show, it goes to show that that's not necessarily a problem with... Uh, you know, the idea of using a national vote or versus electoral college, that's the that's more going against the idea of a winner-take-all scenario, mm -hmm. where people argue that, you know, if you, if you go to popular vote and you only end up winning with, say, like, all three of us run against each other, uh, Blake wins 42% of the vote, I get 35, Isaac gets 15 or whatever, and then the, you know the, what's left goes to you know somebody else. Uh, well, Blake wins, but he only got 42% of the vote. Mm -hmm. So that's not a very strong mandate for you being president because you didn't win the majority of the votes uh, in this winner-take-all scenario. Uh, so yeah, we run into that problem in either system, uh, but that's a problem with winner-take-all. We could easily fix that by having a runoff election or instituting something that I hope that we'll get into a little later, probably in the next episode, um, ranked choice voting. So those, that's, that's a problem that we can, we can take care of with those things, but it's not actually, that problem's not actually tied to the Electoral College or the national popular vote in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that I think a lot of people are, are, are fairly confused about. Really, any points that you guys felt like you wanted to make but haven't been made? Um, I have I, I started, I ram had my little rambles about where I've come from and my understanding of it, which I think is, a, on my end, a, a good point that a lot of people who are less knowledgeable about this topic can relate to. And like I said, I mean, that's from a very honest point of view. I had no idea until now, and that's my upfront and watching, like I said, right-winged uh, people talk about how great it is, but even they weren't able to convince me that it was a great idea. And... Actually getting rid of it? Yeah. It's like, try, well, the, them trying to convince me that it's a good idea and let's, let's keep it. 
And I'm just like, no, it still doesn't seem like I'm not convinced. So it's like, like I said, I, I did my research involved a lot of articles and mainly YouTube videos. So I'm more of that. Let me see you talking and hear, you know, what's going on to help me better understand it. And I went on both sides. I, I went through, you know, a lot of Fox News and um, there's a couple of posts that they got on and talked with the Post and New York Times. You know what? And you know what? S- stop right there. And I want to kind of restart this a little bit, and okay. we'll just we'll just kind of run through each person, and uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So, um, just to just to kind of feel like pick at how we all feel about it, where we started from, and how we ended up, and where we've ended up on this Ooh. topic. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that that uh, can really right. lead into the next episode of, all right, well, this is how we all feel about it. <clears throat> What can we do? Because I think we're all roundabout on the same page, but it could really be a good catalyst into the next episode. So I like that. All right. So, um, you know, I, I think we kind of ran through some of the some of the, you know, quote unquote pros of the electoral college system and why maybe those don't actually you know work out the way that we thought. And I kind of run through some of the cons of the of the electoral system. And then I'll try to get a gauge of where we're, you know where we're all at on this on this topic. So you know some of the cons that people bring up uh, pretty often are just like you know the reasons for why the founding fathers created the electoral college are just really no longer relevant. You know the idea of an uneducated populace, um, you know not knowing what uh, basically what they're talking about. You know we're a lot more educated today, and this idea that you know electoral college voters. You know, having the final say on that, uh, you know, and this idea that uh, which Alexander Hamilton pushed really hard, that um, you know, electors existed uh, as kind of a, a failsafe against an uneducated populace voting for the wrong guy, voting for somebody who wasn't, uh, you know, in in his view, what he mentioned in the Federalist Papers that weren't basically weren't virtuous enough and well qualified enough. Well, I think, you know, that argument's kind of falling apart. Uh, yeah. Whoever you voted for in this last election, you know, Trump-Hillary, I didn't vote for either of them, um, you know, uh, was was Donald Trump qualified? Uh, he had never held any public office whatsoever. I think that the majority of people... Uh, so, I mean, for one, you know, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were the two least popular candidates in our nation's history to run against each other. Uh, so, and, uh, and was he qualified? Well, his ability to, to, you know, lead an administration, how many people at this point in 2019 that he hired in his cabinet and in his administration to run his government are still in their post? Yeah. Uh, we have tons of empty offices right now. You know, like, there's no doubt that whether or not you like Hillary Clinton, uh, which I personally did not, she was technically, quote-unquote, qualified for the position. Running for office, it's a, it's a job interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, any job interview, you walk in with a resume, you know, and how it pertains specifically to the job you're going to be doing, you know. 
and if you've never done anything and you don't have a, a connections in politics and everything, which, you know, that's, that's a lot of the reason why people voted for Trump was uh, understandably that he was an outsider and all of those things. But that does kind of get away from that, that point, the whole point of using the electoral process, which is really an elitist idea mm -hmm. that these people who are involved in the parties and involved, currently involved in politics know better than you. Mm -hmm. And that they're and the whole idea being that they're going to vote for someone with those qualifications. So if you disagree that those qualifications are important and you think that, you know, you don't think that, you know, political elites and people who are already involved in the system and have all this power should be making that decision, it would seem to me that you would be against the idea of that that fundamental idea of the electoral college. And then you know, another con is that the Electoral College gives too much power to swing states, mm. which I, I definitely think is true. I think that swing states have way too much say. And, mm -hmm. and, and that idea that, that these swing states are so important means that, you know, candidates d end up not trying for the rest of the country, not showing up to the rest of the country, not putting mm -hmm. ads, ad dollars in, you know, and, and, and all of those things. And fundamentally... It's undemocratic, which, like I, like I said at the very beginning, the Founding Fathers were not all that fond of, uh, of democracy, certainly not pure democracy, which is why we ended up with the system that we had. A lot of them were, were you know, fully monarchists who, who wanted to have another king, you know, and that's why we ended up with the compromise that we have, that we have today. But I think today, you can always... People will say, oh, the, you know, this is a democracy. A lot of the, um, you know, I remember George W. Bush talking a lot about, you know, our mission being to go and spread democracy in the world. We talk democracy, democracy. A lot of people will say, oh, no, this isn't a democracy, it's a republic. That's, that's kind of the point. The majority of Americans today are more comfortable with the idea of democracy and, and supportive of the idea of a democracy, which that's what, you know, a popular vote would do. So, you know, that's a lot of, you know, where I ended up on this, like I said, you know, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be a Democrat or a Republican. I'm uh, registered in the Green Party, um, mainly because I used to be registered as an independent, but when you're registered as an independent, uh, you're not really helping a third party, which I, I support the idea of having a third party or and a fourth party and a fifth party um, involved uh, just to give us more options. So when you register as a third party, you help that you help that party just by registering. You help that party, you know, gain gain uh, influence, uh, gain in influence, gain campaign uh, campaign finance you know get into polls get on ballots those, those kinds of those kinds of things in the you know in the in the general election you can vote for whoever you want uh primaries are weird and wonky and every a lot like the way that the electoral college works every state gets to decide how they want that whether every state party gets to decide whether or not they're going to have a closed or an open primary mm -hmm. so whether or not only people in that party are going to be able to vote for the in for their nominee and you know we could get into all that stuff but that's kind of outside the purview of this episode so you know i kind of came into this already to uh, you know honestly against against the electoral college and the and 
with a, a, a fairly good understanding of it, but I didn't know a lot of the specifics that we got into. I didn't know a lot of that stuff until, uh, honestly, earlier today. Um, and now I'm just, like, further solidified in the idea that, uh, that I do think that we, that, you know, the Electoral College should be something that we, that we should get, get rid of. So, you know, Isaac, you want to kind of dive into, you know, where you started at? on this, uh, kind of what your political leanings were on, on the fact, uh, what you had heard and then kind of, you know, how you got to where you are. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> like I said, I, I start, I started this after, after we decided the topic and knew a little bit roughly about what was going on. Um, but definitely through what, what I've been able to research and look at and read and watch. And, you know, I, I, wanted to give it an equal opportunity on both ends. Um, you know, I, and I say both ends, I, I, the two, the whole two party system, which is a whole nother topic, but you know, what is the right saying about it? What the left is saying about it? What anybody in the middle is willing to talk about it. And honestly, at the end of the day, man, it's, it's more like I, I watch, you know, be like, all right, well, let me pull up Fox news and see what they have to tell me about it about it and how good it is and how it works and this is you know the the best option for our country and through everything that I read and watched on it I wasn't convinced I still had that doubt to where it's like well like I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down and I'm understanding what you're telling me but it still does not seem fair or equal or right or like my vote matters or like anything I do really matters in this type of situation and the more I dove into it, it's like you said, I, it's just pushing me more towards, I think there's a better way of dealing with this. Now, do I know exactly what that way is at this point? No, I, I like the idea of the, the popular vote being the winner, but you know, I'm, I'm definitely more open to the discussion of other ways that more simple ways also that we can figure this out and that it'd make more sense than the current system yeah i think if nothing else like just people just just in general i, I i've tried to you know i've had a lot of conversations about this topic over the years and uh i found that most of the people that i that i talk to on all sides of the political spectrum really don't understand how the just fundamentally how how the electoral college works you know who the electors actually end up being how they're chosen uh, what the stipulations are on that stuff. Like, just people don't understand those basic details. It's just, it's so complicated and not well known. People don't really understand what they're actually voting for. So, uh, what about you, Blake? Well, you know, I kind of liked knowing, you know, or kind of remember where I was coming from initially with it. it, was kind of knowing where it came from, how it all started, what the idea of it was initially, and then that was the part that I got to kind of learn about, which, you know, makes sense in hindsight looking at it, but that the Electoral College in itself was a political compromise. Not unlike how most of the features of our initial constitution were political compromises because that was just the nature of the thing. So mm -hmm. I liked bringing that up and learning about that because it's a good way to remember that these are systems that obviously change and they're supposed yeah. to change because in itself this was a product of people compromising and making a decision for something else to change from the previous thing so right it's and it was know. it was incredibly contentious mm -hmm. which is why like they they pushed that document through and ratified it 
just pretty bare bones and then had to amend it basically immediately. Like right away. It was, uh, you know, a little bit of, like, political hackery where they were like, okay, we'll, we'll put it through like this where the bare bones, just things that everybody agrees on, and then the people who are actually running this shit in mm. a minute are going to push through these amendments, uh, the, you know, the Bill of Rights and then, you know, uh, and two more uh, changes, mm-hmm. like, off the bat. So it just shows that, like, that compromise wasn't as well uh worked out as you know one would hope yeah exactly Um, yeah and it's it's also good to know because you could put it in the same light as other negative things that were initially part of our constitution but we changed right like it initially wasn't in the constitution that slaves couldn't be a thing but we changed that and that ended up becoming something new and now it's not even there actually in that compromise they kicked the can down the road on slavery they actually passed they made a law that said that they would not be able to to have a vote because it was such a contentious issue even at the very beginning of the nation uh, of forming this nation because we you know the declaration of independence you know said that all men were created equal and had certain inalienable rights to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and there was a bunch of you know debate over whether or not that includes that in, that included uh every yeah, yeah. slaves <laughs> and you know and even you know people who didn't own property you know, women weren't even in the discussion no. you know so but they kicked the can down the road on uh on slavery and i don't remember how long it was but they it was like 40 or 50 years or something that were they were not allowed congress wasn't allowed to to bring up the issue to to even write anything about it basically too um, soon yeah, just like no, not, not <laughs> our problem. We're not. We're just not even dealing with it right now. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of where you, where you began. You learned a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Kind of where? How do you? Where'd you end up on the? Well, I, I mean, it's hard to come or move from where you might have been if, on a position like this, obviously, because you, you're familiar, Brandon, of where you might have already. You just you know too much before. <laughs> I, I don't. It's hard to get moved a lot when you're already familiar with most of it or do you think you know yeah you that's know. a good point too like it's it's good to kind of what were, make yourself more what familiar. were some of the things that everybody thought were like the most surprising things that you learned honestly like right off the bat it was just the thing that i've been hitting on is that it was it was a part of a compromise that is right. was you know it something wasn't. it wasn't a rigid this wasn't like right. this is gonna work forever like this wasn't oh yeah they made this then because they knew it would work now this was I need to get these guys to vote for this thing. Let's just make this like this. Right. Like, yeah. The John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson thing was really surprising to me. I knew that, like, I knew that, you know, several times, you know, or a handful of times, you know, somebody, a candidate had lost the popular vote, won the popular vote, but lost the electoral college and lost the election. But I didn't know about the time that somebody actually won both and still lost the election that just like really threw a wrench in everything where i was just like hold on like how can how does this work how how in the world and uh the other thing that i thought that i thought was really interesting that and that i did not know a lot about um and the only thing that i knew about it was that i didn't know how it worked was who the actual electors were Mm -hmm. like who are these people how are they how are they chosen what are the stipulations i knew that they didn't have to vote According to the, according to who we voted for, but yeah, I, I had no idea who these people actually were. I had no idea that Bill Clinton was one. You yeah. Know? Uh, Nancy, I had no idea that Nancy Pelosi's daughter was one. Mm-hmm. Like what? <laughs> no. 
Yeah. Wow. So, you know, that, those were those were some of the things that were the most surprising to me. Uh, and then just, like, digging into, like, you know, kind of like you said, like, just kind of the nitty-gritty details of it. How complex it all really is. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, having a popular vote makes it simple. Everybody knows what the hell is going on. Yeah. There's no questioning it. Yeah. Just think of how many, how many conspiracy theories and, and stuff do, you know, do we have nowadays when there's... When things are just complicated and, and not, not not clear apparent. and not transparent, yeah. and and uh, you know, and if you would think if the president of the United States is a you know figurehead, it's it, it it's the one person who's centralized across every state. Why would you have a different system in every state for how to choose that person? Mm-hmm. And with as much as people move around nowadays, like you don't move to a state. Because you like how their electoral system, mm-hmm. it's not like you move to a state because you like the climate and you got a job there or your kids are there or whatever. Ooh, like, those, yeah. you know, the, nobody, nobody is going, oh man, I just, I just hate how we decide our elect, our electoral college members. <laughs> and so I'm going to Wyoming. Wyoming because, <laughs> because I want my vote to count better or whatever you know like it just it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. uh, it just it ju- just makes sense that that you would have a national standard on on how this should be done to me so yeah I mean maybe you could say you you know you're listening to this and you're going oh well these guys just all agreed with each other and they all ended up basically where they were and it wasn't really a debate we, we never really claimed it was going to be a debate but uh at the very least if you don't agree with us i hope that you listen to this episode and that you comment on our social social pages or you know given that there's only going to be like three of you who listen to this <laughs> just just shoot me a text or you know, <laughs> reach uh, out to me personally scream at me across the office or whatever and tell me that i'm wrong but uh what we do want to kind of dive into on the next episode is you know, given the idea of, let's say that we are going to abolish the electoral college, uh-huh. what does that mean? How how are we? How would it work? You know, how do you get rid of it? Can we get rid of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what would happen if we did? You know, what what are some of the problems the, uh, that might arise from that, and how might we deal with those things? Uh, so, you know, that, the, all those things can can get a little complicated and we think we could probably ramble about that for about an hour so uh so we're going to so (laughs) tune in for the next episode and that's what we'll be talking about hopefully you learn some stuff anybody have anybody else have anything to add Uh, okay cool you guys don't matter anyway (laughs) we are moving on thanks for listening to the thunkin philosophers we'll see you next time